origin of, of the Advent wreath is like kind of not totally known, but what we think it comes from is have you noticed that it's darker earlier in the day? Like there's less sunlight is what I mean. Like around 4, 4.30, there's a lot less light out. You, you have to start to turn on like the lights in your house. And, well, in certain parts of, of the world, at certain times of the year, the earth tilts, right, in different ways, closer to the sun and away from the sun. And in this time of year, the northern part of the earth tilts away from the sun. That's why it gets cold, and that's also why it gets a little bit darker. And there are parts of the world where, starting like around now, it's dark like all day long, almost all day long. And so it's thought that some of those places where it was no sunlight, they would have these, these almost like spirals of candles. And each day as it got darker earlier and earlier, they would light another candle. So that way, when it was the most dark, the least amount of sunlight, they had the most amount of light on their, on their wreath, in their spiral. Because one of the things that people knew, and it's always amazing to me what people knew before there were computers. Like before you could just Google it, like when, when does it start getting light again? Like we know that, but people knew that before the computer. Anyway, they knew that at a certain point around this time of year, it starts to be the opposite, right? The days start to get longer. There's more and more and more sunshine. So they figured out how to put these candles in these spirals just to the point of when it's the darkest day of the year, the least amount of sunlight. And then the world switches and we start to tilt back the other way. So early Christian people thought, wow, is that not so similar to how we think about Jesus coming into our lives? Not necessarily that well, it is, for us on the Northern Hemisphere, it is the darkest season. For our siblings in the Southern Hemisphere, it's the opposite. But that idea of, we sometimes live in a world that sometimes feels like it's confusing. It's lots of things happening. You're going to school with masks on. It's hard. And we need Jesus in our life. And as we get closer and closer to the day that Jesus arrives, what we consider the brightest shining star, the most joy, the most love, we light candles in preparation for that day. So it, it is another example of how we've taken the tradition of somebody else and we start to use it for ourselves, which I think we need to acknowledge that we do as a Christian tradition. But also that deeply meaningful act of lighting candles together and coming closer and closer to a time when we feel like we are that close to joy, we are that close to hope. Anyway, that's where we believe that the tradition of the Advent calendar, Advent wreath comes from. I invite you to stand as you're able for the reading of the Holy Gospel according to Luke chapter 3. Glory to you, o Lord. In the 15th year of the reign of Emperor Tiberius, when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea, and Herod was ruler of Galilee, and his brother Philip ruler of the region of Eturia and Trachonitis, and Licinius ruler of Abilene, during the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. 
He went into all the region around the Jordan, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins, as it is written in the book of the words of the prophet Isaiah, the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Every valley shall be filled and every mountain and hill shall be made low and the crooked shall be made straight and the rough ways made smooth and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, O Christ. Please be seated. I don't know how it is for you in your neighborhoods, um, but Christmas decorations went up in my neighborhood what seemed like the day after Halloween this year. <laughs> Honestly, there may have even been some like uh, lights on hedges before that. I think I saw a Christmas tree when we were trick-or-treating in somebody's house. And you know, the joke in my household isn't, Amanda, when did you start listening to Christmas music this year? It's, Amanda, did you ever stop listening to Christmas music this year? <clears throat> and yes, I did, thank you very much. I didn't listen to Christmas music all year, but I will also admit that I started listening in September this year. <laughs> Why not? My best friend is a more hardline about this. She's very strict, no Christmas until Thanksgiving. Um, but I'm not so strict, and I, people in my neighborhood apparently aren't either. I needed it. I think we all need it. I'm not sure any of us thought we'd have to endure one Christmas in a pandemic, never mind two. And just as kids are able to get vaccinated this year, a new variant is rearing its ugly head. And add to that, our nation has experienced yet another school shooting, taking the lives of four beloved children physically injuring seven others and emotionally and spiritually injuring their whole community. Our whole nation grieves with them. I could go on and lament, and I'm sure you could too, of the things happening maybe in your life or in your communities. What a time. Things kind of just feel heavy. Give me I'm dreaming of a white Christmas and silent night. Give me twinkle lights and choo-choo trains. Give me Tim Allen as Santa Claus, and I'll even take those terrible Christmas movies on Netflix. Just give me Christmas this year. Luke's Gospel this morning also paints the picture of a grim scene. All those names that are easy to stumble over at the beginning of today's readings are people with immense power, power that was wielded over the Israelites with iron fists. In the 15th year of the reign of Emperor Tiberius, when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea, and Herod was ruler of Galilee, and his brother Philip, ruler of the region of Eturia and Trachonitis, and Licinius, ruler of Abilene, during the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas. It's like Luke saying, imagine a chessboard where there's a single pawn surrounded by boom, a king, and boom, another king, and boom, another queen, and boom, like three rooks, and boom, a couple of bishops, and you're all by yourself. That's the landscape in which the word of God came to John, son of Zechariah. Whew, good luck, brother. It's so intense that Luke describes it as the wilderness a great metaphorical space in the Bible where prophets are sent, where God's people wander for decades and Jesus is tempted by Satan. 
Audrey West, who's a professor from the Moravian Theological Seminary in Pennsylvania, writes that the wilderness in biblical writings often represents vulnerability and uncertainty. She says that in Luke, the wilderness is a place of testing and hunger, sometimes of danger and destruction, or being lost and then found. That's where this story starts to take place. Luke paints a picture this morning of a context where the world felt grim, overwhelmed, stuck, locked in. And in the midst of this, a voice tries to call out in the wilderness, it's muffled at first because the world around just produces so much noise all the time. 24-hour news cycles, endless scrolling on, in, on social media, long days at the office, even if the office is now at our home and those computers and all that blue light in our faces, mask on, mask off, mask on, mask off, noise, noise, noise. But soon the voice gets louder, prepare the way of the Lord. We get out the twinkle lights and, and we test the batteries on our blow-up snowman. Trees are tagged and, and shopping lists are started. Some, some think that this is just part of the noise, distracting the voice of the one calling out capitalism at its finest, and I'm sympathetic to that argument. But for others, the presence of these things reminds them to listen more intently for the voice calling out louder now, prepare the way of the Lord. We can sense it now. It's almost time more and more candles on our Advent wreath are being lit. Prepare the way of the Lord, the voice shouts. Make path, his path straight. Every valley shall be filled and every mountain and hill shall be made low. And the crooked shall be made straight and rough ways made smooth. And all flesh shall see the salvation of God. All flesh shall see the salvation of God. Can you hear it? Can you hear it? Really hear it? The voice calling out calling out to us, but we are often so submerged in the wilderness. And Dr. West reminds us that it is precisely in that wilderness, that place of vulnerability and danger, that God appears. It was true 2,000 years ago for John, in the midst of all those powerful people and the noise of empire, and it's true for us today too. This is the promise that the prophets point to and that our tr traditions of decorating and lighting candles and gathering with family have taught us to expect. Christ is coming into our lives, our very own lives. And this is, I think, the most marvelous, wondrous truth of our faith, that God came to earth in human form to be like us, and live like us and love us. But what's more, and what's sometimes harder to remember, is that God hasn't stopped coming to us. Advent is the church season when we wait and prepare for Christ's coming, but not just in the form of baby Jesus in the manger. You'll hear it in our text that Advent is also the time that we think about preparing for Christ's ultimate return. Many Christians over the centuries interpret this message from Jesus when he says things like, I will be back, not in a Schwarzenegger way, but like, I'll be back, almost like as an end times thing, 
It's going to be a symbol of when the end times come. But many more Christians and thinkers and theologians are also pointing out the truth of Christ's coming to us almost on the daily. In the hand of an outstretched arm holding the door for you when your arms are full coming out of the store. In a text message from a friend that says, I was just thinking about you. In that beam of sunshine that somehow just finds your face for just a brief moment and warms your cheek. And perhaps more tangibly for us in the bread and wine that we consume today at the, at the Feast of Christ. We don't always receive these moments as Christ's coming into our lives, perhaps because that noise of the wilderness is so loud and it prevents us often from hearing the voice calling out, prepare the way. But that's what makes this, this season all the more meaningful. It's a time when we really intentionally bend our ears to the call of the prophets that tell us to be ready, prepare our hearts, prepare the way, because Christ is coming. My friends, Christ is coming. So deck the halls, put up the wreaths, find the things that help you cut through the noise of the wilderness to prepare your way, to open your heart, and catch a glimpse of Christ in your midst. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon from Holy Trinity Evangelical Lutheran Church in Newington, New Hampshire, part of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America. Pastor Tim has left Holy Trinity to take a position at Lutheran World Relief. Over the next few weeks, Holy Trinity will have a few supply pastors on Sunday mornings until we find an interim pastor. You can find us at htelc.com. And don't forget, you are loved. <laughs>